Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Caged In podcast. For some of you who haven't listened before, this is a weekly podcast where me, your host, Petros Patsilovus, will be watching every single film by a chosen actor and season one, if you haven't guessed by now, is Nicolas Cage. Um, I've been doing this with guests, but unfortunately this week I couldn't get one, so... I'm rocking it solo. Uh, I'd had loads backed up and I fucking got a bit too complacent. I was like, yeah, no, it'd be fine. So I'm recording these now week to week. Um, I'll try and see if I can get ahead again. We'll see what happens. Um, again, for those of you who haven't listened, I follow a couple of rules, which are no distractions and no expectations. So what I mean by that is no distractions. I turn my phone off, I turn my laptop off. Um, I literally have nothing. I ignore the door if it knocks. So ignore the home phone if it rings, if that ever rings. And no expectations. So this week we are looking at Deadfall from 1993. I know it was released in 1993, I know it has Nicolas Cage in it, I know it has Charlie Sheen in it, I know it has Michael Bine in it, and I know it has James Coburn in it. Apart from that, there's little to nothing I know about this film, apart from it's directed by Christopher Coppola, which I'm guessing is a relation to Nicolas Cage. Once I watch the film, I will actually have a little Google and see if that is right. Um, When it comes to scoring... I don't look at any scores, I don't look at any IMDb or anything like that. I leave that at the end. So once you've heard my opinion and whether, yeah, I have the same opinion of that of the critics and the people out there on the internet or if I'm a lone wolf just cruising along, like, flying against the winds of popular opinion. Uh, Hopefully it's not the case, hopefully, I don't know, I kind of... (laughs) I've kind of find that's quite fun about this podcast is sometimes my opinions don't match those. So, yeah, that's all part of the fun and games of not knowing anything about a film and not knowing what people think about it. So, obviously, that can cloud your judgment as much as seeing a trailer or knowing a, yeah, knowing scores and stuff like that would be like, oh, you might go in. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen clips of this film. I think they're um, featured in a video I've mentioned plenty of times on this podcast, which is... Nicholas Cage loses his shit. Um, and from what I've seen and from what I've heard of this film, it's fucking nuts. So I'm actually really looking forward to this. I'm kind of disappointed I couldn't get a guest because I felt like this was like one of the ones that would have really benefited from just sharing the madness with. Um, but let's not dwell on that. Like, I don't want to let you guys down and go a week without an episode. Um, I know there's a lot. Of, I know there's a few of you out there who listen to it. So, yeah, I will vow that now that I will release an episode every week until this is done. Um, if I go on to season two, which is probably likely to happen, um, I may have a tiny break in between, but I'm not sure. So, I'll, I'll, I'll like, yeah, we're a long way off that yet. So, have no fear for like the next year or so. I think. I think we're good, guys. Um, But yeah, let's let's get down to it. I'm going to get my feet up, turn my phone off, and we're going to get raging with Cage. Feels like I've been awake for days. 
watching film starring Nicolas Cage. Could be shit or it could be fun. Valley girl face off an army of one. Deadpool Cornell, Lord of War, The Wicker Man, Trespass, and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations. Over the weeks, hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Plasilevis, and I'm caged in. Right, well, Deadfall has been watched, and what a fucking treat that was. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, let's let's get on with this one, guys. Um, oh, he's fucking mental. He's fucking mental in this one. Um, it's a real treat. Um, right, so how does this film start? It starts with. It's real dramatic music. You see these two guys in a car. They're talking about a job they're doing. Um, you're not sure what's going on. There's like this crappy voiceover. I don't. It's like, and I would liken it to the voiceover that Harrison Ford did for Blade Runner. It's hokey. It's it's so lacklustre. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, Michael Bynes' character. Um, can't even remember his name. I've just finished watching the film. Fuck's sake. Um, I'll look at my notes. I'm sure it'll come up at some point. Um, yeah. So he's he's with this old guy in a car. I'm not really sure what's going on. It's like they're going to do a drug deal or something. Um, they go in, and then they're met with like this silhouetted guy. Getting out of a car, he's got a cane. He looks, oh, he looks, he looks ominous. He looks shifty, um, and then the deal goes south because the old guy's on a wire, and um, <clears throat> the young guy, the guy we've been following, shoots him, and then the other guy runs for it. He forgets his money and runs for it. Um, it's quickly. It quickly turns out that you realise that this was all a ruse. This was a... Um, <clears throat> that the... <coughs> pardon me. Um, the guy we'd been following is a con man. And the guy who's doing the deal with is his dad. And that, that was a part of, like, that is their con. They obviously got the money. But his dad ain't getting up. And... Turns out that the bullets in his gun were switched for real bullets when they're supposed to be blanks. And shit fucking turns. This is literally in the first five minutes of the film. It's like, fuck, guy just killed his own dad. I wasn't re- Yeah, I was kind of unsure what the fuck was going on as well. Um, when we kind of... um, His dad's last words, he said, my brother's got the cake. And like fuck does he mean he's got the cake um our protagonist then is fucking boozing it he's uh having a talk with one of his dad's cronies one of the members of their team kind of saying like you need to sort yourself out like what we gotta do um and then we get the next scene of him his dad's funeral which is one of the shittest, like, it's literally a load of guys stood around a hut. I know that's what a funeral essentially is, but, um, no, it's like, I don't know, everyone just doesn't seem that bothered, like, they just kind of walk off at the end of it, like, yeah, cool, we've got our, <laughs> we've got our split of the money from the job, 
let's boost out of town. Um, and our main man sees a woman in the graveyard, kind of like, I don't know, like a classic femme fatale looking, like a hat on, like holding a red rose. And he's like, oh, who was that? And it's like, was it? Was it a was it all a dream? Um, and he's told, yeah, he t- he's told he needs to get out of town as well. Like, let things die down. It's like, obviously, his mind's all over the place. Just, just get out of town. Um, and he's given a key to his like the, the only thing his dad had, and it turns out to be it's for a locker which has all his earthly possessions, and in that. It has the address for his brother Lou, um, who's out in Florida, I believe. Uh, the location doesn't really matter. Um, since just watching the film, I actually googled it, and it said the beginning was set in New York. There is no indication that it's set in New York whatsoever. Um, there's no indication when we go on to the next place. Where the fuck that is either. It could be anywhere. It could bum fucksville, USA, for all I know. Um, yeah, so he gets his dad's belongings and he heads on down to Lou. Um, there's a weird guy, like, I, one thing I noted down, there's a really weird looking guy on the bus, like, kind of just staring at him. I'm still, still, still looking at my na- uh, notes and there is no name so sorry until until my notes reveal his name then bang i'll tell you uh, <laughs> um he gets the, he gets to um yeah uh, <laughs> the scene opens when he arrives uh is him at a market stand he's at a fruit and veg store and he's sniffing fruit he's like yeah he's sniffing fruit like a weirdo um and he's kind of sees something's going on he sees like one guy who's working like a hot dog counter is passing something over to another guy who um is doing something at another like kind of store in the market and like he's like oh like what what's going like he he's cotton done as an audience we're fucking none the wiser all i all i thought was is that fucking the lead singer of the Monkeys working the hot dog stand? And it bloody is. I looked in the credits afterwards. It is, um, well, I, I thought his name was Davy Jones, but it's, it is something else, but it's definitely him. Uh, he has a very tiny, small part in this film. God knows what evidence um, the director or one of the executives or the studio had on him, but why the fuck was he in this? Um, so, yeah, there's this paper being handed about and uh, he kind of sits. Oh, he chats to a yeah, chats to a lady at a coffee stand, and she's really over familiar. And it's like, oh, like I haven't seen you around here. Like, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want a free cake? And he's like, no, I'm all right. Maybe next time I'll just have just have a black coffee. That's the kind of guy I am. I'm boring. Not obviously. If you drink black coffee, you're not boring. Dale Cooper, black as a scar on a moonless night, and all that. Like, I'm not going to knock you, but like. I don't know. When he ordered it, I just thought, yeah, cool, see a drink of black coffee, the fucking boring prick. Um, he sits down and he calls over the bus boy. Really, really weirdly, he's like, what's your name? Like, wants to know all these things. He's like, tell, tell Lou. Tell Lou I'm here. Cut, his nephew's here. 
Fucking, you'll know, you'll know, bus boy. Here, obviously, no bus boy of the market. He goes over to uh, like a pizza stand. Who do you know? They must know Lou because they seem to be like, oh yeah. And he's pointing over. He's like, it's that guy over there. He fucking knows Lou. He's just giving me twenty dollars to like let him know I'm here. Um, and then from <laughs> behind our main man, we get. Our introduction to Eddie. And take a moment here. Eddie is fucking one of the best Nicolas Cage characters we have had this far. His voice is all over the fucking place. Um, It kind of sounds a little like this. I'll tell you what. If it's a high card, I'll tell you who I am. And if it's a low card, I'll tell you who you are. Is that a deal? Well, he never tells him who he is, but from that you can hear his voice is absolutely batshit. It's like he's talking through these weird prosthetic teeth that he's wearing. Everything about him looks prosthetic. He's got his wig on. He's um, his skin. Yeah, it almost looks like he's wearing a mask. It's fucking weird. Uh, he's dressed like Ace Ventura. He's absolutely batshit insane um he lets on that he knows lou and he's like i'll take it to see him in a weird droll which changes throughout the film i'll drop in a few more clips other moments and you'll just see his voice sounds completely different all the time um lou is the spitting image of um our main character's father whose name is joe this is the moment you find out his name he's like joe i can't believe you're here um it's funny enough that he is spin image because he's equally played by james coburn who plays his father so who the funk yet it's the same actor uh that's that's what i think anyway yeah i think it is <laughs> uh, oh fucking idiot um and Whilst whilst have this conversation, you've got Eddie in the background. Like he he is a scene stealer. Nicholas Cage in this every scene he is in, it's like he's in a different movie, but he steals every scene. He's in the background doing coke whilst they're having this conversation. He's like, Hey <laughs> Uncle Lou's like, Hey, do you know it'll be a good idea? Eddie's gonna take you out on the town tonight. Oh boy. And he does. They go like they they leave the uh, they leave this office above the market. Like it's not really. I guess that Lou owns the market, and that's like his front for doing dodgy shit. But not a very good front. Like the market does. It's not going to be bringing in that much money. Come on. Um, but yeah, they go and pick up Diane, who is Eddie's girlfriend, and. Eddie again is a weird scene of him like acting all coy going oh shucks I really wanted to just babbling on and then presents her with some flowers which are there's there's on YouTube just to pull that clip I just found on YouTube there is um the best moments Nicolas Cage and Deadfall check it out guys I will post it on social media as soon as I finish recording uh well yeah, as soon as this is up, um, it's fucking great. Uh, 
he's yeah they go and pull this kind of con they they're all consters like it's like a fucking episode of the real hustle they've kind of this con with a bracelet where eddie and diane go in she's kind of they're acting like they've got loads of money she's flashing off this like supposedly expensive bracelet she goes to the she goes to a phone and then joe comes in like totally nothing to do with them as if they they don't know each other he he goes into the phone after her finds the bracelet they're acting all like she's act yeah diane's acting all manic like oh i've lost the bracelet i've lost the bracelet and eddie's like says to the barmate if you find it i'll give her a award five hundred dollars and then joe just meanders out and is like oh i found this bracelet and the barley's like mine no it's not he's like well i'll give you give you like three hundred dollars for it and he's like or like two hundred dollars boom they fucking conda the number that she was given turns out to be a dud eddie's pulled a fast one on her it's kind of weird you see this next like joe and diana talking in the car and he's like from straight away he's flirting with her rotten like they're chatting that away and you can just see that he's giving her looks and stuff like that um yeah definitely i wrote down in my notes definitely flirting like something i don't the the script of this is like everything is just almost transparent you can just see through see through the acting you can see through everything it's just everyone's in bold letters like this is happening wow like they leave out they leave out some important stuff but like stuff that should be a bit more nuanced is just screamingly obvious um yeah then they drive to a strip club um eddie says right this guy over there we need to get some money off him uh, and he thinks he's setting up Joe. He's like, <laughs> like he goes outside. So like, we'll meet you outside. Like I bet you can't get the money off of baby. His name is. Um, and then Joe brings out the money. He sees him like <laughs> Eddie sees him like shaking hands, giving baby a hug. And he's like, looks shook. He's like, fuck. I did not expect him to get the money. Like we've been, <laughs> been trying to get that money for months. Yeah. And he says like, um, his exact words Joel's mince mate like in another yeah another <laughs> weird way that he speaks uh, and then we just like he gets dropped off home and we notice that uh, the weird guy from the bus it looks like he's watching Joe he's watching someone like it's, yeah I don't think this guy has explained I don't think yeah I'll come to it, but I don't. I genuinely don't know what the fuck this guy is doing. Um, kind of get a bit more voiceover, and Joe breaks into Lou's office. He's looking for some more stuff, like clues to regards to the cake, and finds this photo of his mum and his dad and Lou all together. And he'd also found, oh yeah, he'd also found the same picture in his dad's possession, but Lou was ripped out of the photo. And he's like, oh, maybe this is a clue. Maybe my mum has something to do with the whole conspiracy. What What's going on? Why there's a rift between my dad and Lou. Um, and then he gets back to the motel room and Diane is waiting for him. 
and that flirting's paid off. Like, she tries to pull a farce on on him, I think. Like, yeah, some of this is real muddy. I'm not sure if, like, my head is not in the right place or something, but... Um, he he ends end up having like this kind of real deep meaningful like moment, and they end up having sex like the f- bloody hell. Like, <laughs> um, and then we get the next day. It's just like bang cut. The next day, who the funk it? He's been there literally a day. The next day happens to be Lou's birthday, and then we get um the one and only scene of Lou's weird wife. Uh, she's, she as well has an odd voice. Um, I kind of get this scene of her bringing out a birthday cake and Lou and Joe kind of talking about just random shit about how nice it is to see each other. And, um, yeah. And then we get, I uh, probably, well, one of the best moments for me is this one, is Eddie uh, just boozing at the strip club and uh, he's approached by Baby who tells him that he never paid he never paid off his debt. He said, like, if you come outside... Yeah, Joe had said, if you come outside and, like, shake my hand, I'll pay off your debt for you. And Eddie is not happy about it. Cool enough to get the baby to burp up fifteen hundred. Are you telling me that was his fucking money? Look at that! Fuck! Watch it now. Now Oh, all that fucking, all that gibberish babble is all Eddie, and it's all fucking great. I love that scene. Um, just his reaction to finding out that, um, yeah, Joe had, oh, given Eddie, uh, given no, given Baby, like a pass just so just so he could look good in front of Lou. And the baby says, it looks like someone's after your job and I bet he's already had your woman. And he just goes, he just goes on that tirade, literally beating the shit out of anyone he passes in the bar. <laughs> and it's great. As he leaves as well, you see that the um, weird guy with the beard is there and he's like kind of looking, looking worried. He's like, um, yeah, he follows Eddie out and they have, um, they have a fight because there's something really weird as well that um, Eddie had shouted in the bar. He said, "Where's Sam Peckinpah?" Which um, Sam Peckinpah is, from what I know, is the director of um, Straw Dogs and the Dirty Dozen, I believe. Um, I might be wrong on that, but yeah, Sam Peckinpah is a film director. Why the fuck is he shouting? Where is Sam Peckinpah? Um, he yeah, he fights this guy, um, pulls off his beard, turns out to be a fake beard. Uh, they they ruck, and Eddie ends up slitting his throat after asking him, who said, like, who sent you? And he was like, I was sent by Sam Peckinpah. And it's like, that is never explained. Sam, like, that is it for the weird beard guy. And Sam Peckinpah, you never find out who that is. I had no fucking clue 
what that whole i don't know, maybe on the cutting room floor somewhere maybe there is some old film footage of a subplot of this film that has never seen the light of day um i wish that there was a prequel to this film of the adventures of eddie because he is fucking nuts um yeah and eddie just loses his shit he goes back to his apartment i believe diane says she's um she thinks that diane is sleeping with lou i think i'm not sure what she thinks going on but she's he's fucking not happy which uh, this is a really clip laden episode, but it's kind of got to be just to fucking show you the mania of Eddie. Uh, uh, yeah, he comes back and delivers this monologue, which is fucking great. Cigars, babe, particularly Louis Brand. Eddie, it's really not what you think. Shut up! Shut the fuck up, man! you were playing on scene a night doll get out <laughs> and um oh that was fucking great <laughs> um yeah she pulls a gun on him and uh she she leaves she's she she's like i'm fucking getting out of here you fucking lost the plot eddie and uh she heads to joe's i think she's like she's there going to warn him like that eddie's on the fucking rampage um eddie doesn't really suspect joe for some reason that he's the one sleeping with diane um he goes to confront lou and ends up tying him up and (laughs) gonna put his face like he's got a chip pan fryer like bubbling and he's gonna put his face in it like he's kind of that's his grand plan of how to fucking kill him um in the last minute joe turns up and like scuffles with eddie they kind of yeah they're fighting it's going mental like they're getting way too close to the chip pan um 
Joe ends up grabbing Eddie by the hair. Wig is removed. He looks fucking mental. Uh, um, I might, I will definitely post a photo of the way Eddie looks without the hair. He looks mental with the hair, let alone without it. Um, and yeah, he ends up getting a face in the fucking chip pan. And that is... Good night, sweetheart for Eddie. That is the last moment of Nicolas Cage in this film. It may be the last time you see him in this film, but the memory lives on in the hearts of many. I know I'm definitely one of those because what a fucking performance. Like, like, yeah, as I said, he's dressed like Ace Ventura. He speaks in this mental way. I recommend you guys to watch this film solely for his performance. He's come out of... He's out of a totally different movie. And that movie is a movie I fucking want to watch. As I said, I want the prequel of fucking Eddie. Because... I know I shouldn't like this film, but I fucking do. I feel like... I feel like I'm cracking up. I feel like genuinely Nicolas Cage is sending me insane. And I kind of, I don't know, like, I'm glad I'm doing this podcast just for just for films. Like, I don't think I ever would have watched this film if it wasn't for this podcast. And I'm just so glad I did because it, it has brought a little ray of joy into my life, like... That sounds like my life, like, my life is fairly joyous anyway, but it has brought something in that would have not necessarily, I would, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I should continue with what happens in this film. I've kind of felt like, in a way, it ended there for me. Like, I didn't really fucking care about Joe and his plight because he's just a boring arsehole. Like, he didn't have the, he describes Eddie at one point as like, well, he was like in the voice they were like, well, he wasn't a quiet fella or something like that, and he's just like, fuck off, you boring twat, give us more Eddie. Um, but yeah, him and Lou go to dump Lou uh, Eddie's body. Uh, just really, la- really lackluster. I'm kind of trying to figure out what they are. It looks like some kind of like oil pumping thing. I was kind of like in some ditch. Like, yeah, the body would do there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and Lou saying, well, I had this job that Eddie was a big part of. This guy gets a lot of money. And obviously, you fucking offed him. So, gonna gonna have to get, gonna have, you're gonna have to take his place. Um, and Joe is not very happy about it because the details of it are very similar to the details of the job he had done with his dad where he had accidentally killed him. So you can see why the man was not happy to do it. He goes back to his motel room with Diane. Has this kind of weird dream kind of spanning his whole life. Like, all these flashbacks. You just kind of see him shooting his dad and all sorts like that. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. He's all 
he's all shooken up. <laughs> and then we get, um, I thought this was what he meant by the cake. Um, Lou shows Joe this kind of, it looks like a weird, sorry, just had to take a sip of water there. Um, yeah, this weird kind of flask, like, yeah, hip flask shaped as like a three tiered wedding cake. And, um, he kind of explains how he was in love with Joe's mum and that his dad was a bad man who took took the mum away from Lou and kind of, yeah, kind of explains, like, a bit of the backstory, even though it's not, like, it's not, not really explained because you kind of get like opposing things on it and you don't know what is the truth it's everyone conning everyone maybe that's what this film is trying to tell us um i haven't really made my mind up guys i said i've just watched this film and i don't think it's gonna take a lot to sink in but <laughs> ah you fucking knows um so yeah he's sent he explains what he's doing and he gets sent to this kind of weird He's got to go meet, he's got to go get the attention of the guy they're going to do the deal with. And to do that, he's got to go play Paul. And who's he playing Paul with? Charlie fucking Sheen. From the cover of this film, I thought, like, I've got it right here. Where is it? Nicolas Cage is the first build name. The second name is Charlie Sheen. Like, let's say Nicolas Cage's name is in a 20 font. Charlie Sheen's name is in a size 18 font just below it. And that is misleading, guys. Because he is in this film for a whole of, like, five minutes for this weird... I guess it's, like, billiards. I didn't see... Like, it was kind of weird. I didn't kind of get what was going on because I didn't really understand the rules of the game because it looked like pool or snooker, but there was no holes on the table. Is it billiards? I'm not sure. I'm not really going to look into it either. It's just kind of. I was a bit confused because, like, what game are they playing? What, like, what are the rules? Like, maybe, maybe there would be a bit more a sense of jeopardy and tension if I actually knew the rules of the game. But then again, they're not going to explain it to the audience. Just assume you know what's going on, and they did that, and I was confused. And um, thing he had put down a lot of money. He'd put down like a thousand dollars a point, and they're they're like, oh, we'll play to like. 35 or something like that so he was in a big debt with this guy it's kind of charlie sheen playing some weird yeah wearing like a smoking jacket just oddball like guy who's quite like speaking in this weird like riddly way and um i don't know just by like yeah even even now it's just like what the fuck was he doing there was there was there much point like i don't know i guess i guess this was the early 90s he was he was a name he was a name he wasn't the drug adult maniac he is today but um well maybe he was yeah that's probably where it all started what i'm saying that's probably why he's chatting so much fucking gibberish um he says i don't have the like joe's like oh i don't have the money but I have this watch, and um, 
This is all a part of his plan because the watch is taken through to someone else, to another room. Then we're going to ch- we're going to check that the the watch is like how good as you say it is, and then he's taken through to meet. Um, <sighs> take a moment for this. He meets a guy with like a pneumatic, like kind of scissor-like claw hand, something that you would get like a uh, Doctor X from like the Action Man series, if you're a child of the 80s or 90s, if you remember Action Man is villain Dr. X. Yeah, it's kind of like cartoonish guys. It was real, real fucking weird. I don't know where it came from that this guy would have some weird... Like, it's not just like small scissors. I'm talking like a good... I don't know, like good like... Gotta be like half a meter length scissors, like claw like hand. I just, I was baffling. And yeah, Joe explains to him this deal that he's got for him. He says, like, I've got these diamonds as well, and I can get more from this Texan. All you gotta do is this, like, this is like $10 million worth of diamonds. We're gonna give them to you for the cut rate price. Of two million. Does that sound like a deal for you, Claw? Does that sound like a Claw? Yeah, that's what you mean. He sounds like a like Doctor Claw from fucking Inspector. He sounds like a fucking comic book character. I, I, sorry, I've, I've lost. I've lost where I was explaining this fucking. This, like, real, you can't introduce a character this fucking crazy so late into the proceedings. This was. Over an hour into the film, like, I, I don't know, like, you can't, this this film is weird because it sets up kind of like a villain, so, like, or I don't know, like, so much stuff is not really explained, and then, a, a, yeah, like, a villain is, it looks like, a, I guess he's the villain, is, like, introduced at such a late moment in the film that you just don't care, you just don't care, like, I once I could Eddie, I just didn't give a fuck anyway. But um, he kind of yeah, he explains it his deal, and he says like we're gonna meet, we're gonna meet in the market, and that, that's how it's gonna go down. Um, he then goes back to Diane and says like they should leave, like after the deal, that's it, they're out of there, they'll leave together, like have the money, and it will all be kushti. Um. Then the pizza guy from, like, you have not, like, again, you have not seen this character since the start, since he first got to the market, says, like, the lady who sells coffee, the one who keeps offering you free pie and free donuts and free coffee, I really fancy her, like, I think I'm going to ask her out on a date. And this automatically screamed out, well, he's going to fucking die, isn't he? He's going to die because why have they Why have they all of a sudden brought in the fact that you're supposed to care about this guy's romantic entanglements and what he, what he wants with his life? Like, I didn't, I don't, no one said his fucking name. All I know is he sells pizza. Oh, and there, yeah, all the market vendors, so you got, Oh, your old man, Davy Jones from the Monkeys. You've got 
pizza in love with the coffee lady guy. You've got Joe. You've got Lou. You've got a couple of other guys who sell stuff in the market. They're all getting prepped for the deal. And it's the same premise of the deal at the beginning that they pretend it's a police sting and the claw hand guy will fucking vamoose and without his money, they'll get the money, they'll get the diamonds. It's a win-win. Well, it's a lose for Claw and his goons, but yeah. Um, the two, <laughs> you get a scene of Joe in limousine with the Claw and his two goons who just look fucking mental. They look like kind of, I don't know, sewer rat like something out of the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, some kind of like part of Splinter's like child gang thing from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film. Uh, yeah, and they're just like wild eyed. Um, it kind of reminded me, I know I always reference this show, but kind of reminded me of that. Uh, it's an episode of Seinfeld where uh, George gets mistaken for being O'Brien, who is a um, massive like racist, but there's, um, it's not Michael C. Hall. Uh, no, it's the guy who played his brother in Six Feet Under, well, whoever. Is that Michael C. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, he he plays this fanatic and he's, like, got these crazed lookers. And it reminded me very much of that. And if you've watched Seinfeld, like, you'll get the reference point. If you haven't, you're probably thinking, what the fuck? Yeah, you're probably going to tune out. Wouldn't blame you guys. Um, so the deal goes south big time. Because the claw had told his men, if this deal goes funny in any moment, like just kill everyone. And Joe hesitates when he goes to shoot Lou with the blanks. Obviously, that is very understandable because last time he pretended to shoot someone he actually fucking killed them so um he hesitates one of the goons doesn't hesitate bullets are flying pizza guy's dead pretty sure my ma- the man from the monkeys is dead other like market vendors are dead it's a bloodbath joe gets out with the money and the diamonds oh yeah i I can't fucking remember. But he gets out with the money. As soon as he runs out, he chases a woman who looks exactly like the woman you saw at the graveyard. The black hat, the femme fatale looking, the red rose. Um, It turns out that that woman supposedly looks like his mother. So he chases her, chases her, gets to a warehouse. She stops for a second and you're like, oh, Obviously, she's just like, fuck it, I'm not going to run anymore. Turns out, in the warehouse, his dad is there. He was not killed. He was alive the whole time. This whole thing was a ruse. This whole thing was a plan for him to commit this job so his dad could get the the $2 million. Mind fucking blown it is like it's inception like level layers of shit going on in this film guys (laughs) Um, 
his dad kind of gives this whole speech and uh, it turns out as well that the lady who was posing to be his mum turned out to be Diane. So she's been in on it before he even met her. You can see a look in her eyes though that she had totally regretted it because she had maybe actually fallen in love with him. Um, he kind of like, yeah, Joe just kind of gives up though. He kind of chases, like he has this weird moment. He chases his dad round on a carousel and then drops the money on the floor, like, and fucking just walks out. And that's it. That's it. That's the end of the film. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of underwhelming because there's so many loose ends and so much, I don't know. A lot of things you just don't like. Yeah, a lot of things introduced that you don't care about in this film. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I'd still recommend it. It's not. It's not the greatest film in the world. But for Nicolas Cage's performance alone, I would recommend it tenfold. Um, well, that's enough of what obviously I thought about the film and obviously what the film is about. It's time to have a look what the internet has to say like again like i say it all the time am i fucking crazy dude like like i don't i can't i'm kind of guessing with this one that it's going to be poorly rated probably has got like a cult following because of the batshitness of it but i don't know let's find out what the serious people have to say about it guys <laughs> Right, so uh, we've got one score for this film, guys. Um, I did a little, um, did a little trawling about on the internet. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a zero, but that is because there is no consensus. Um, it's got like a twenty-four on the audience thing, but as we all know, audiences can be fucking nutters. But uh, then again, the next one I'm going to do is the IMDb score, which is the only score I could find, which is three point seven out of ten. Yeah, not very good, is it? Um, not a very good film. But uh, yeah, it also says here the the budget was ten million dollars. Um, is that a lot? I'm not sure. Nine ninety three. That's probably a lot. I'm not sure what that works out to now. But um, yeah, like uh, fuck IMDb. Fuck what they have to say. Uh, watch it anyway. It's great. I had loads of fun watching it and loads of fun recording this episode because. <laughs> I don't know, I've really got the giggles. Uh, I'm actually sat on the floor on a yoga mat because I am that fucking pretentious actually recording this episode. Um, I've had a bit of a sore back lately and um, I thought it'd be quite nice to kind of sit with my legs crossed and have my back nice and straight on the floor, but I probably don't really want to know that. Uh, let's uh, Let's have a little look what we've actually got coming up next week or obviously if you listen to this in the future what you've got coming up now if you want to listen to another episode right now so next week we will have red rock west also released in 1993 and like many before it and like many to come this will be a film i know diddly shit about and so far some of those have been the episodes i have enjoyed the most 
really having no expectations. Like, I felt some, knowing the directors that directed them, knowing other cast members in the film, has obviously made me have expectations because it's hard not to. In the words of Michael Jackson, it's only human nature, okay? Uh, but it's not a lot you can do about that. I can't, there's no, there's no men in black, like, memory wiper. So I can't, I can't just, yeah, I can't do it. Uh, but after that one, we will have the week after or again right now depending on how you're listening or after you listen to the red rock west episode i hope i said that right red rock west okay it's a bit of a little, little bit of a tongue twister will be a guarding tess from 1994 um as i said at the beginning of this podcast i'm recording these ones week to week so i don't know quite yet if i'm gonna have a guest for next week or the following week um but as soon as I do, um, I will let you guys know on social media uh, if you like following on that stuff, if you like keeping up to date with how I'm doing and what I'm doing and any other shit. Um, yeah, that's all at Caged In Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, yeah, I really, I recently. Uh, it would have been like a couple of episodes back now. I did a competition on Instagram and stuff like that. So anytime I got stuff like that coming in, yeah, like follow follow those social medias. You can always email me as well at uh, cagedinpod at gmail.com. I, like any words of encouragement or any words to say, you're a fucking idiot. Um, I appreciate it all. Uh, probably don't appreciate uh, any hate, but... Uh, what are you gonna do? Um, I'll I'll take it anyway. Like I I know I know that I've made a rod for my own back by doing this podcast. And um, yeah, there'll also be some bonus episodes coming up. Like I'm gonna kind of keep my cards close to my chest of what they're going to be, but I'm gonna do some fun fun interviews. Um, yeah, really 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 looking forward to a lot of that um i just want to say at the end of this episode as well a few shout outs to uh a few different podcasts that i really enjoy and not so much big ones um i don't know like a couple of big ones like really want to shout out uh hardcore listing with chris and stew on the distraction pieces network if you guys haven't checked out that check it out it's a great like top five listing podcast they've got some amazing guests and i don't know, chris and Stu are fucking hilarious even just talking listening to those two talk is great um i keep pestering them to come on this podcast so if you're listening and yeah hit those guys up on twitter yeah, it's at Stew Whiffin and at Redshift Rebels or at Hardcore Listing and just be like, go on, Caged In Podcast, do it, do it, guys. <laughs> um, and then just a couple of, yeah, a couple of like smaller podcasts. So there's those movie guys who um, 
amazing. Shouted me out on their podcast, but called me Patrick. Um, just want to let you guys know my name is Petros. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't mind being called Patrick, but I kind of, kind of like, kind of like the weird and unusual name I was given, and I totally appreciate that you might not be able to say it because I often, I often have difficulty spelling my own surname so i totally get that people not, might not be able to pronounce my first name so yeah that's cool and last but definitely not least is the bitter end podcast um those guys are great their sixth series i believe it is has just finished and that was for the police academy franchise and yeah it's great and they've just announced that they'll be doing child's play as their next what series and i can't wait so definitely subscribe to all of those podcasts like give them a look give them a look on social media as well um yeah as always guys i've been petrus but i've been sat on a yoga mat I've been caged in. You've been rad. Namaste. Hi, fucking yeah! This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drip Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.